Hi, everyone. You are listening to the DMZ America podcast with me, Ted Rall, coming to you from the left. And I'm Scott Standis coming to you from the right. It is Thursday, September 30th, 2021. And Congress is currently facing down a pair of crises, one within the Democratic Party uh, over how to resolve differences between progressives and centrists uh, regarding the big uh, $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill, and more pressingly, uh, how to raise the debt ceiling. Uh, the debt ceiling, the, there is a bill that there's a law that goes back to 1917 uh, that requires Congress to increase the debt ceiling as needed. Uh, they have to actively vote upon it whenever uh, the Treasury warns that there are not quite enough revenues uh, to meet the outgoings. And that has been a process that has been traditionally bipartisan. Uh, in this case, in the last few years, more often than not, Republicans have tried to use uh, the, the debate over whether to increase the debt ceiling as a uh, bargaining chip. And now it looks like we are really heading, uh, we are staring down the uh, barrel of a possible not government shutdown because a deal has been struck uh, to extend, uh, to make sure that there's no shutdown between now and December, but not to increase the debt ceiling. So, you know, it's just, I think, Scott, to me, uh, this is a symptom of, it seems like a budget arcana, but it's about something very important. It could suck trillions of dollars of economic activity out of the economy if the U.S. were to default. But also, doesn't it just seem like a, a symptom of the massive dysfunction in our political system? Massive dysfunction? Oh, surely you just, sir. Um, yeah, of course. No, I mean, listen, I mean, it, with the debt ceiling, um, looking at, as you said, it was created in 1917 to say that you have to do this in order so that the people can know what you're doing. Now, I'm going to sound like an old man for a moment, if I may, and say that when I was a kid, we used to rail against uh, well, the conservative kids. Well, you know, me <laughs> would rail against. Uh, they would kind of vote on this as a matter of course. It would just it would be just what they did. There wasn't debate. There really wasn't much discussion. The Republicans got mad, but the Democrats just said, hey, we got to erase the debt ceiling or we're default on our debts. And everyone went, okay. So for decades, that kind of meandered along. And then the uh, Republicans in what, 1990s, discovered that this could be a political tool. And so they could then bludgeon the then President Clinton with it and say, and deny it. And they had the first, one of the first government shutdowns, and we've had many since. Um, it just seems arcane and it seems a very inefficient way to run a government. I mean, it always comes and Republicans always do this and I'm no different. Take this back to trying to budget your house. I mean, you wouldn't say, okay, we need, you know, we need more money. Those in favor of spending more money, raise your hand and everyone does. And you go forward. I mean, it's just stupid. And it's a terrible way to run the government. It's an absolutely terrible way to do this. Now, you, we had this discussion last night, briefly, and you mentioned other countries don't even have a debt ceiling. Right. They just, uh, you know, obviously, uh, most modern countries, democracies that have access to credit uh, are running deficits, like the European countries, and they just run deficits. That's all. Just in the same way that, you know, if you run your house, uh, you just end up with credit card debt or a bigger, you know, or a second mortgage or whatever. You don't have to go beyond that. It's just a statement of fact. 
And well, and okay, why do we care and why do we talk about it? Because, you know, let's face it, this economic issues is a big yawn. It's no, not sexy. Um, but the fact is that uh, I think it's reaching close to 10% of the federal budget is put towards servicing national debt. And that's just obviously going to grow. It grew exponentially under Trump, very ridiculously under the Trump administration. Uh, and it's just going to continue to, to go. I don't think you should spend more than you have. I mean, I really am a fiscal Neanderthal on this stuff. And I, you know, I'm, I'm like kind of leaning towards the gold standard kind of conservative. <laughs> fiscal responsibility. All right, Mr. All right, Mr. McKinley. Um. <laughs> you shall. And there's Ted Roll. You shall not crucify the working man on a cross of gold. Yes. William, um, William Jennings Bryan, for those who uh, care about such things. Who missed the reference. And if you missed it, shame on you. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Well, you know, I mean, I think if the thing is that uh, deficit spending is what allowed America to become the country that it is today. I mean, it is a wealthy country and it, it's sort of common sense would sort of indicate that we should be able to live within our means. Uh, in other words, not spend more than we take in. But on the other hand, um, you know, the fact is that deficit spending in the modern era, oh, since the mod era, the inauguration of the modern income tax roughly a hundred years ago has allowed this country to expand militarily uh, and internationally in a way that perhaps people like me don't approve of, uh, but it has certainly turned the United States into a superpower, whereas, you know, in the late 19th century, it really wasn't. Um, and it's it's money that buys empire. So I think it's kind of interesting that uh, conservatives who uh, tend to like that, um, um, uh, that, um, that empire aspect uh, you know, kind of want to, you know, live within our means. I mean, do we really? Because if we do, no. we're going to have to like close all those, uh, you know, mil 1400 military bases around the world. Right. No, they don't mean it. They, they absolutely don't mean it. So yeah, that's, that's absurd. And when it comes to the income tax, whether or not it's constitutional, it's in the constitution now, but when it was first in, 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 instituted, it, it wasn't. And there's a lot of um, legal questions about that. So and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But when it comes to, I mean, talking about old presidents, we just talked about McKinley, we were joking about William Jennings Bryan, um, but um, I've told Ted about this terrific biography whose author totally escapes me at the moment, but the on uh, Calvin Coolidge, which sounds really boring. And it, it, if you're, if you, unless you love history, I guess it would be, but it's really engaging. And when he became president, he spent an hour every day with the secretary of the treasury and they'd go over the budget line by line by line. And I've told people this and so I don't want my president doing that. And my response is that's exactly it's only, it's only an hour. President. It's only an hour. It's an hour. And, you know, you talk about the defense spending. I mean, have you, have you ever had a, you know, a Republican president say that they're going to slash defense spending, which is, of course, more than 50 percent of our budget yeah, or for that matter, a Democratic president say well, that they're scared to death to do it. So, I mean, and, and it comes down to I mean, there's a proposal that libertarians have had for decades. And I love it, which is that when you file your income tax, you have boxes and it can be very general or it can be very specific. I mean, I, the construct doesn't really matter. It's the idea of it that you can say, Ted Rawl files his income taxes and he wants his income taxes to go towards social services and roads, or, you know, I, I can't speak for you. Mm -hmm. I can say, I want it to go to the military and towards, you know, um, you know, I don't know, funding Trump. regulation. <laughs> <laughs> it's my the point is that you, actually, you can actually say at least have some say except through exclusively through your your represent elected representatives 
you'd have some say as to where your money went. I kind I really like this idea. I've always liked this idea. I've always liked it too. I mean, it would be a fundamental change to the American system because it would be far more small D democratic. Um, than the current system where we outsource these big decisions. I mean, you know, how the government spends money is literally the main thing government does. And, uh, and, and we elect our political leaders who supposedly study these things. And I think that's the part where it is, it is really problematic. You know, Tocqueville said that uh, democracy depends on a well-informed uh, well-educated electorate, which obviously this country does not have. And, <laughs> And, you know, I'm reminded of uh, when I was in India on a trip once, um, I noticed uh, all these, first of all, everyone was very, was reading the newspaper. There were like newspapers were widely still read, even though it was the age of the internet. I imagine that hasn't changed that much uh, in since the last time I was there, but maybe it has. But, you know, there was a... Um, an, an announcement and all these people went running into cafes and they all gathered around talking excitedly. And uh, it turned out that and people were looking at their newspaper at the line items of the Indian federal budget. It was the day that the, in, that the Indian government announced its budget and the Indian government doesn't just spend money. They also uh, set a lot of prices. Uh, they there's like wage and, and price controls. Okay. So every, so everyone, uh, you know, all classes, all types were gathered around excitedly going over as the prime minister and the parliament discussed each item in the budget. And it was just fascinating to me to see a country where people were so engaged in the minutia of spending. But in this country, like, okay, so who's to say, though, what the right amount of money is to spend on, say, let's just say infrastructure? Okay, I mean, like, I would vote for that. Like, we need more bridges. But then, do we, how granular does it get? Do we get to say how much money goes to a particular bridge or where the bridge goes or how many bridges are there going to be? Are they going to be nice bridges? Are they going to be crappy bridges? Um, you know, I mean, well, the it, devil, the devil, as they say, is in the details. So, but I, you know, but you could also, like I said, you could do it with very broad strokes. It could just say infrastructure. And that's, you know, that can mean any number of things, right? Right. Like, because I mean, like the Democrats are playing games with that gate, with that, with that word right now, they're saying that they have a 3.5 trillion human infrastructure bill to go along with the 1.5 trillion, you know, actual infrastructure bill, human infra. I mean, you know, you can definitely play games like hell, we, we call it the defense department. No one ever attacks the U.S. We don't really need a defense department. You know, it used to be called the War Department. That I know, which I thought was, I mean, God, when, how cool would it be to be the Secretary of War? Well, it also just happens to make more sense. Yeah, but we're talking about the government here. Right. So so there, we're heading, heading towards, I mean, they've broken out the debt ceiling part, right? Which, of course, the Republicans are going nuts about because they wanted to be part and parcel of this other vote. So when the government shuts down, they can, I mean, it's, it's, it's such, it's such bullshit, Ted. It's such, I mean, playing these types of games over and over again. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I could go on a rant about the seriousness or lack thereof, of, of governing and, pe and serious minded people in government. And we don't seem to have it anymore. And so we, the Republicans didn't want the debt ceiling broken out of this pack, out of this vote. The Democrats last night did it. So they're going to vote on it. Uh, like you said, they've extended the debt to December. Um, the, uh, I, you can hear the frustration in my voice. I mean, this is just 
no way to run a government. I mean, th- you, you have much better, more experience about studying foreign governments than I do. Is this common? No, um, certainly. Um, you know, I, I was talking on the radio on uh, the on yesterday morning on Sputnik about this. And, you know, it's like, well, it, it, we were talking more about the, the, the civil war in the inside the Democratic Party over the um, infrastructure bill. And, you know, it's like, well, why is everybody acting so irrationally? The hosts who are, you know, younger guys who are like half our age were asking good questions, <laughs> smart hosts. And, you know, I was like saying, well, I think it's crisis. Crises are caused when people who know better uh, have a narrow self-interest that comes into collision uh, with each other, and they just can't back away from those narrow self-interests uh, to serve the greater good. Uh, and and everyone kind of knows it, uh, you know. And and there's millions of episodes in history when that happened. For example, the build-up to World War One, which you know by you know historically obviously was stupid. Um, and, uh, but, you know, and everyone knew it and saw it coming, but they couldn't help it. And just because, uh, you know, an archduke gets blown away in the street, somehow now millions of guys have to die in the trenches. Um, I think this is not a, this is not a usual way to do it. Other countries have stupid crises. And this is, seems to me like a crisis, a series of crises of our own making. Um, I don't even understand personally how it is that that the that the debt markets aren't suffering simply from the fact that Congress has this discussion, you know? I mean, as someone who used to work on Wall Street, uh, you know, this if this were a stock, people would say, "Wow, the U.S. You know, the U.S. you know U.S. government corp is a little unsteady." You know, I'm not sure I can recommend this as a strong buy, uh, but somehow I guess the the securities markets just don't really believe that the US will ever default. Um, but it's, you know, it, it they shouldn't even be does. threatening. They should not even be threatening to do that. <laughs> it's not even something they should talk about. First rule of debt ceiling is don't talk about debt ceiling. And, and you know, and obviously the Republicans have been, you know, they're, they're, everyone's wallowing in hypocrisy here. And, you know, the, the, to me, I look at the Republicans, and I'm like, well, you don't want to increase the debt ceiling, but this is from tr- the Trump administration, this particular spending that we're talking about. So this is your spending that you don't want to increase the debt ceiling for. Right. Well, they didn't. They went four years of not caring a damn about the debt. Um, you talk about the infighting in the Democratic Party right now, and that's fascinating to watch. I mean, uh, President Biden has been apparently calling virtually everybody. Did you get a call? Because uh, <laughs> no, but my cat. Uh, apparently, the uh, because of the uh, Democratic infighting, especially like high profile people like Manchin and Cinema in the Senate, but others who are. Um, you know, and progressives who are fighting against this. Um, I mean, is this is this smart strategy by this by the progressives? I mean, they're still getting five billion dollars in spending on a whole a whole myriad of projects. Um, it just strikes me kind of weird that I mean, they're saying we didn't get everything we want. Well, that's how government works, man. I mean, that's how it's always worked. I mean, I, I think it's I don't really I mean, Scott, I don't say this very much in these in these political discussions, but I'm going to say I don't really know. Uh, on, I can really see this either way. Um, on the one hand, it does seem like maybe it's not the right historical moment for progressives to really go to the mat uh, on this matter. I'm not sure how much the American people, particularly even progressive voters, are that agitated over this bill, 
you know, I don't even think most people even know what's in it, or if they do know what's in it, how it's going to help them, or if they, or will it help them? I mean, you know, like, there's a big childcare component. Well, you know, that's not going to affect me. I have a one kid, he's 17 years old. Uh, he doesn't need childcare. Um, I just wonder, you know, I just don't know if this is the hill they want to die on. And on the other hand, I can see that progressive intransigence has worked in the past. The only time that the Democratic Party has, in recent history, has moved to the left, has been in tw after 2016, when Bernie Sanders' primary voters didn't show up to vote for Hillary Clinton in the general election. And then every candidate in the 2020 primaries was pretty much a progressive or played one on TV. So there's a, uh, so that, that did work. And I think there are times when uh, people just want to see things broken. You know, it's like, uh, this, it was a very no local story, but uh, Amazon wanted to uh, put a huge distribution facility in Queens in AOC's district here in New York. Right, um, right. And, you know, this, she said, no, she, she made, she killed, she put the kibosh on this deal. And you would think like, Hey, this is in the middle of a pandemic or actually it was, it was like sort of, I guess it was a couple of years ago pre pandemic, but you know, people can use jobs. You would think that saying no to thousands of jobs would be, you know, politically fraught. But it was popular um, in New York. New York, were, New Yorkers were like, "Yeah, Jeff Bezos shouldn't get everything he always wants." And you know, it's it's perverse sometimes. But people do sometimes. And I think Donald Trump's entire presidency, his entire viability, came down to people wanting to break things sometimes. Um, so yeah, I, I can yeah, see no, it I mean, either way. I really don't know. Yeah, I just think that the whole, you know, for for many of us on the right, we're kind of perplexed by watching the progressive wing of the Democratic Party effectively eat the rest of the Democratic Party, or at least hold it hostage. It just seems like, a, again, uh, well, the, the moderate wing is doing the same thing to the Democratic Party, right? I mean, yeah. Joe Manchin and uh, Kristen Sinema are also, um, you know, holding the party hostage. In you, I would say even more so in some ways. Well, and, and I, you know, you have to understand they come from from purplish state. They come from well, they come from frankly blue states that happen to elect Democrat. You mean red states? states. Uh, Arizona and West Virginia. And so, you know, it's, it in this it just seems like okay, infrastructure bill. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, what what startles me is Republicans oppose it because they love crap like this. It builds stuff, it creates jobs. It's something that clearly government you could say government has a function in doing, in preventing you know things like oh I don't know bridges from falling down. Well, the Republicans did get are behind the infrastructure infrastructure part of the infrastructure bill. They're against all the the you know the daycare stuff and stuff like that. Yeah, the, 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 what well, the infrastructure bill was, and they also, I mean, part of the infrastructure bill, things that were as, re, as redunculous as uh, putting breathalyzers in, um, regulating that, uh, insisting that and having federal laws that say that uh, cars have to have breathalyzers in them. Your cars drink? <laughs> it's not cars I mean, should not drink it's bad enough that the people driving the cars drink this is true this is true but no it's, it's well so ethanol is kind of like cars drinking sort of <laughs> <laughs> isn't it isn't ethanol a type of alcohol sort of no that's ethyl alcohol okay never mind you can still drink that you can probably ethyl still, get a, probably still yeah. get a buzz from that Okay, well, we should we should move on because we could just go down this rabbit hole. We can, but I wanted to, this is an issue. I was just, re, this is an issue that just 
uh, the New York, the Washington Post, Washington Post, good Lord, take two. The Wall Street Journal mm. has uh, unveiled documents it got from Facebook slash Instagram that they are creating Instagram kids, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's Instagram for kids. The internal documents show that their development um, was, uh, was looking, how can we get young kids, kids as young as five and six to use the internet and use, and more importantly, use our internet here at Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, when they got caught, their comments are pretty much, Hey man, 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 we're just spitballing here. We're just, we're just thinking we're just spending tens of millions of dollars to research this because what company doesn't, if they're not, if they're not, they're, they're just thinking about it. Um, Facebook well, in fairness, companies, big companies like Facebook and, you know, uh, the United States government have plans for lots of stuff that they never planned to do. Right. Okay. But this was something that clearly was fat being fast tracked and people seem to like the idea internally. Uh, but Facebook, what's interesting, Facebook and Instagram are prohibited to children currently. Um, but the company's future depends ultimately on recruiting them. So there you go. But it just struck me as like, you know, <laughs> What I mean, you know, condoms with a K, you know, for kids, because eventually <laughs> they're going to need them. Uh, you could say, you know, you yeah, have, well, uh, isn't that kind of the basis of vaping? Well, boozy booze, you could have non-alcoholic scotch, you know, for kids or flavored, yeah, flavored cigarettes. Yeah, something that they're going to be able to do it at some point in their lives. So why not let them brightly colored down? nukes? You never know. I mean, Ted, you've had the same experience. Everyone who's listening to this has had the exact same experience. They go to a restaurant, there's a family at a table near them. And if not everybody, certainly the kids are all on tablets. Mm. And as hard as it is, and believe me, I had children, you had children, young children. Um, as hard as it is sometimes to have them at a restaurant, that's part of the social construct of our culture of our species is to sit around a meal and you socialize you talk about your day you talk about your ideas you talk about and it always breaks my heart when i see that that tableau and so this just is like just this reconfirms and codifies that that whole scene i don't know am, am i old i mean i know i'm old but am well, i being a man mean, here no I, I look i think you're right the problem is that we're kind of like spitting into the wind here right because it's like you know you can't really fight a, you know, it's hard to fight new, highly addictive technology. It's hard to fight it when it's being promulgated by an incredibly wealthy and influential company. And it's even harder when there's no government regulation to speak of uh, to try to rein these, these things in. I mean, I think what we're really skirting the issue of here, Scott, is that there's not enough regulation. I mean, there's no, there's nothing, there's no countervailing force to say that that sort of says well well wait a minute here you know let's not so fast let's take a breather yes we can uh create uh you know a metaverse for for six month olds but should we and you know there's no i mean the general feeling in uh our culture and in the government is that you basically release technology uh or products and you kind of hope that they work. And if they kill people, then you think about regulating them. I mean, look at what we did with self-driving cars. I mean, literally, we put self-driving cars out onto the street where normal cars drive. I mean, you and I both may have been driving adjacent to a self-driving car without even knowing it. 
And, you know, I mean, I would have, obviously it's one thing for them to be on a test track somewhere, but when they're out on public streets and they have actually killed people, um, you know, and then there's Tesla uh, cars. Those, almost every one of those instances was caused by human drivers next to the self-driving car. Well, I remember the case, was it Arizona where the woman, the, the pedestrian was hit on the side of the road? Uh, it was, I forget if the victim was male or female, but the person in question, I think was like sort of semi-homelessy and kind of like out in the street where they're not supposed to be. But, you know, if you and me saw this person, uh, we would swerve or stop or, you know what I mean? Like, but the cars just plowed into them. See, I love um, the idea of self-driving cars. So, I mean, I understand, I understand the advantages. I'm not saying like, uh, but I think there's something I think it's kind of like self-driving cars, cool idea for a lot of reasons. People don't even understand why they're cool. But like, you know, you can shorten the distance between cars uh, at high speeds on the freeway. And that would really go a long way to reducing congestion or maybe even eliminating traffic jams, which are the bane of our existence, right? And it would also reduce pollution because- for those of you are who are unfamiliar with being with on the phone with Ted Rawl as he's driving- <laughs> yeah, Bane I, is not the word. <laughs> I, I've been known to exceed the speed limit on at, at times. So anyway, the thing is that like you're you're um you know the problem is that there's no um you know I, I think that like look we we shouldn't have a culture where we say look we can do something so therefore let's do it. We should have a culture where we say hey let's do we can do something and then ask should we do it take a pause and I always I always with government and with regulation jumping in, especially at this early stage of things, although we're not early stage of, of um, the internet, clearly, um, I'm, I'm always very hesitant, as you know, to, to let government get involved at all, because they almost always fuck it up. And I don't, you know. Um, yeah, that's true. You don't want to go to a zero innovation Soviet type situation. Well, let me ask you this. I've, I've, there was a store that opened near where I worked in Chicago, Amazon Go. I'm not sure if you guys, I'm sure you have this oh, yeah. in New York. No, I don't think we do, actually. The technology is remarkable. You walk in, you have the app on your phone. It has a barcode. You boop, and you walk in. You grab shit off the shelves. You shove it in your backpack or in your pocket, and you walk out. That's it. I mean, let's face it. If you jump, you By the know, way, I'm you, mistaken. There is one in New York, in lower Manhattan. Oh, there is. Okay. you should. It's a fascinating exercise. And so, and I grabbed a couple of, two or three of my liberal friends from the news, from the Chicago Tribune, columnists, and a radio personality. And so let me show you this. And we went in and we did it and we you know, bought a, a, a Coke and a sandwich or whatever, walked out. I said, what do you think of that? I said, well, I think it's, that's, first of all, the technology is amazing. But, but my question is, it gets rid of, it's clearly designed to get rid of jobs. I well, mean, yeah, that's right. Just like from the first time that we were told to bag our own groceries or check out our own stuff at the which store. Which apparently is going to be a thing for the rest of our lives. Um, but all three of their reactions stunned me. And I would wonder, Ted, if I took you in to look to this place, what your reaction would be. But their reaction was, hey, this is, you know, this is, this is, you can't stop progress. Well, you know? it's actually, I mean, it's kind of true. Not in this culture, you can't. But in other culture, it's not this. I mean, I just want to be clear that, like, we're choosing to live this way. I mean, you could have government regulations that say this technology is banned. Uh, we, you know, you must employ human beings to check out, uh, you know, to, to, to chart, to check people out. You must hire cashiers. Um, you could say that. I mean, look, we chose, for example, to allow Uber to destroy the traditional taxi industry. And there have been ramifications to that. Um, you know, pr 
professional taxi drivers were licensed, trained, tested, right, highly regulated. Uh, I used to be one of them. It was a hard thing to do. It wasn't like just any jackass could drive a New York City taxi. Um, and now any jackass can drive an Uber. And, you know, I mean, it, in some ways it's really cool. But, and, you know, it, it's like, you know, it's cute to see the little car coming, you know where they are and blah, blah, blah. But we, you know, we, we also have, you know, the drivers aren't as good and it's not as reliable and it, there's not as much accountability if there's an accident. And so, some of them are criminals and a little rapey. There's that too. Well, and, and look, honestly, the same thing. There were rapist, uh, you know, yellow taxi drivers as well. But there was more accountability. It was easier to track people down. Um, you know, it's like it literally was, you know, like a bright yellow car with a big number on it. So if anything happened, people could see it. I'm just saying it's like we're deciding to just let things we just we live in a deregulatory environment, which I suspect is something that you have favored. Oh, I like it. Don't you? <laughs> yeah. I like it. And I, I think I that, like Uber. I like Airbnb. I know you use it. Um, yeah. Um, you know, and so like Amazon Go, which is weird that for me, it would kind of really, Janine was, my wife was really pissed off at me when I got the app and went there because she goes, when she goes to any of the stores that have a, a crap ton of self-checkout, if there's like humans working at checkout, she'll go to that. I'm with I'm with her. I'm the same way. I've I've and I've had people say, oh, you know, you can use the automated blah 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 blah, and I'll be like, you know, no, because I want you to keep your job. Yeah. And they kind of look at me funny. Look, there are jobs that technology uh, replaced or is replacing, and that's good. Like I think of toll collectors here on the New York bridges and tunnels. Um, they've almost all been eliminated, and that's a good thing because. Uh, you know, it was a dangerous job. I mean, people are out in the, um, you know, uh, on these, um, on the Triborough Bridge, sucking up car exhaust all day long. I mean, you know, it's not good for you. No one yeah, should but, do that. But here's the opposite side of that coin. And this is where I question where we're going next. And this will be another podcast, frankly, because I think it's really an interesting subject. You got rid of that job, but that job was an entry-level job. Any, unlike what you just described, your your taxi driving job. Any moron can sit in a booth and you can hand him a dollar and you give it, you know, give them a quarter back or whatever. I mean, you can, um, you can. It, what the uh, Amazon Go does is, that, you know, if they can also automate the stocking, it gets rid of stocking jobs, it gets rid of checkout people jobs, right? Yeah. Um, the same holds true. Walmart is now redesigning its stores to get rid of virtually all of the human checkouts. It's going to be all self-checkout. Um, Which by the way, I'm going to look, I don't shop at Walmart, but let me just say it's going to be a, uh, a kind of a pain in the ass in, for people who are shopping there. I mean, I know personally, I like, I often like walk into a store like that and say, Hey, what aisle are uh, walnuts in, you know, um, you know, the, the, who do I ask? Who do I talk to? I mean, oh, the, the kiosk that doesn't work. Right, right. I mean, yeah, everything, when everything's automated, I mean, it's, it's really, I have to say it is inefficient. I mean, you know, well, true. I mean, look, the human brain is, the, is, a very, is a very fast computer. You spoke, I mean, you just mentioned self-driving cars. Well, let's say that technology gets perfected and we have self-driving trucks and buses. Hmm. Well, you've just gotten rid of those jobs. Now, again, well, that's already happened here in New York. The air train that uh, connects the subway to John F. Kennedy Airport is uh, completely automated. The train has no personnel on it at all. 
And if something goes wrong, like let's say there's an emergency, it derails, uh, someone's sick on board, you know, you can push an, a button and eventually someone from uh, will respond, some emergency responder will show up. But it's not the same as having a conductor who's in the booth who can come out and help and call it in and explain the situation. Well, but I also understand the need or the, at least the desire to get rid of the human. There's, it's expensive. They're expensive. They're messy. They're they're inefficient. It's expensive. And, it's expensive. Yeah. And it's expensive. Yeah. But That's the only thing. Yeah. But I don't, like I said, Amazon Go, it's, what's interesting is bringing my liberal friends. And you haven't really answered the question yet. If I brought mm. you to an Amazon Go, what would you do? What would your reaction <laughs> be? I mean, do you, 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 like you said, first of all, the experience. Well, I mean, I would check it out, of course. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, what do you mean? What, would I, what do you mean? What would I do? Well, not what would you do? You wouldn't burn the place down. <laughs> my head would explode. <laughs> but I mean, my reaction to it was, wow, this just kills thousands, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of jobs. At least in places where shoplifting is not a problem. Well, you have to get in. I mean, I guess you could hop the turnstile, grab something and run out. Um but, it, you know, yeah, you, I mean, that's that's true of every place, isn't it? I mean, it's true of just a convenience store with the guy behind the plexiglass. Yeah, it's, yeah well, I was going to say it's hard to believe that, like, in a, you know, in a dangerous neighborhood that this would become normative. I don't know. I, don't, I think you could have, I mean, I'm sure they're thinking this through, believe me. Um, very much like they're thinking how to get how Instagram for kids, you know? <laughs> they're, 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 right. You know, I'm still trying to figure out Instagram for 58-year-olds because uh, I, I can't figure <laughs> out how to get anybody to follow me on that thing. So, Oh my God. I just, I, I, I keep, uh, we have to break the stuff down and then I, I get it into my phone and then because it's Instagram's only through your phone, which, you know, it's fine if you're not trying to post your work or you're especially as cartoonists. So it's a pain in the ass. Um, no, I, like I said, I, what was struck me as funny is the Instagram and then we'll wrap things up, I guess, but um, the uh, Amazon go store, What's the worst experience about, let's say you're on your way to a meeting or you're on your way to work and you want to grab mm. an energy drink and a cookie, mm -hmm. which is what I would do occasionally. So the worst part is standing in line because you have the, the checkout persons that are they're disinterested. That's they're true. They don't care. That whole experience is unpleasant as hell. Yeah, it's, well, it's, a, it's a high friction problem. You know, and by the way, I just want to say parenthetically, the absolute worst checkout experience you can have is, at, uh, is in department stores. Like when you buy, like, you know, like any kind of clothing, clothier, like the Gap or like Macy's, you go in there and it's like, it, they have to like enter apparently a 174 digit code <laughs> into the computer, which they have to type <laughs> wrong several times due to union rules. And then there's like several, uh, you know, there, there's several security clamps inside each article of clothing that have to be removed uh, with the help of the CIA. And then there's, uh, and then the, all the, the hangers have to be carefully sorted in front of you as you wait. I mean, it really does take forever, even if you're front, even if you have no weight at all. You know, it literally, it takes a ridiculous amount of time to get the hell out of there. It's like, I just wanted to buy a t-shirt and some underwear. <laughs> Well, for those of us who aren't as fancy, we just get our T-shirts at, you know, sporting events. And when they shoot the T-shirt the cannons, that's pretty much where <laughs> I get my clothes. <laughs> I even know that's not true because you always have very cool T-shirts. But and you're wearing one now. What the are the Tragic City, City Rollers? They are flat Ro track roller derby. Where's that? That's here. 
Birmingham's known as the magic city. And so we have friends who are involved in roller derby and we go and watch and it's the tragic, instead of magic city, it's the tragic city. Why is it called magic city? Was there a, a magician thing there? At some point, historically, <laughs> yeah, it was just was really it where annoying. like they made like black hats and every goddamn place you went, you had someone say, Pick a card. I don't <laughs> want to. No, it's it was, it was the magic city sprung up like magic. Uh, in 1871, oh. it was a created city because it's one of the few places on the planet where you have all three elements it takes to make steel and mm. three or four major railroad railroads crossed here. And so mm. guys from uh, Pittsburgh and New York said, I, that's not a good, that's not a good, that's not a good uh, name origin story. I, it's like, I'm from Dayton, Ohio, and it's called the gem city. And I was always like, well, was there a, a, a diamond or other gem based business there? Like, no, someone just literally said like, Dayton, it's a real gem. It's a, gem. <laughs> it's like, that's it. Really? That I'd sucks. It, it would be better if it was like, Birmingham, it's got moxie. <laughs> yeah, I think like what I forget. There's some there's some city called like Hat City because it had insane haberdashery. Uh, really? Action. Yeah, That's let like, me see what that is. Um, well, Birmingham actually is known as a tree city because we have, as you've been here yourself, Ted. You know, it has an inordinate amount of trees. Danbury, has- Connecticut, was Hat City. <laughs> Little did Dan- you know. Yep. I've been to Danbury. Well, that's about all there is to say. <laughs> Connecticut is I've been there and it's Hat City. No, it, it, so yeah, so we're Magic City. What can I tell you? Okay, well, it's a cool shirt. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I love yeah. this shirt. Yeah, it's, Magic it's, City. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. Cool. Yeah, uh, extra extra large. Unfortunately, these days. No, you're not. You've lost a ton of weight. Yeah, a little bit, but I, I need to lose. Oh more. no, you've lost a lot. You how much? I mean, you really have. Um, yeah, I'm down like. 14 pounds last time i checked yeah, that's that's a that's a bowling ball <laughs> yeah and it looked like one too um <laughs> all right well um i look i actually love these kinds of uh you know sort of big uh these topics like these big subjects like where we're going as a society and how we choose to live i, I think we should do more of it oh absolutely and i think we're, ultimately my view is you know we're, we're fucked oh I, there's nothing to add to that. All right. Well, and, and with that, uh, Scott, before we're all fucked, uh, tell us where we can uh, buy some of your uh, your stuff. Uh, check me out at gocomics.com slash Scott Stantis, one word, or gocomics.com slash Prickly City, which is my comic strip. And you can also find us, Ted and I, among the better cartoonists in the country, working for counterpoint.com. Ted, and- where can we find you? And you can find me at rawl.com, R-A-L-L.com. And uh, you can just go there. There's books and you can get links to my cartoons. Uh, Also check me out on whowhatwhy.org this coming Saturday and every Saturday. You're on Sputnik? And on sputniknews.com in the cartoon section on Tuesdays and Thursdays most weeks. There's no avoiding us. We're on Instagram kids. Look for us there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Only, only if you're under six years old. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining me, Scott. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. And we'll catch you next time on DMZ America. Bye.